0: have a seat or lose your feet.
1: Cut right off.
0: You don't want to lose those feet.
2: It's working a little bit. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, good evening and welcome to Fusion Fellowship Group. It's a great night. It's a beautiful night. Um, We don't have powerpoints. You might try to meet outside, but we need a powerpoint for this passage because it is jam-packed, as these ladies will say. Uh, It's controversial. That's why we're gonna be using the powerpoint tonight so you can see what's going on, what God's trying to say in this passage. Not just take it for face value. So that's where we're meeting inside tonight. Um, so this is going to be a good teaching. It's going to be really cool. And hopefully uh, the Lord is going to be here making it really clear for us all. A um, couple of announcements. Let's see here. Tonight is no fun, no activity at all. Oh, wait. Tonight we are
1: doing a little crack party after
2: this to
1: help me
0: prepare my... Crack breakfast. party? Craft? What? Crafts. <laughs> Very important <laughs> end now. My not a crack party. Crack, crack
3: party. <laughs>
2: with an app. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, that's, if you want to help Jamie out with that, Carl also has a finger up.
4: Uh, next Thursday, I'm not going to be here, but uh, we are oh, going to have a themed cookout of some sort at the Duchesne's house. Stay tuned for Facebook. Uh, I'm sure they're going to get a list together of what people should bring, what theme yeah. it is, and their address. That's next Thursday and I'm sure
0: there'll be more details like Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys like the hot dogs Memorial Day, where's Alex? <laughs> Alex is not here? Where's your uh, tell him uh, those same hot dogs, they're gonna be there. Not the same Grill Master though, so it might not be any good. Um CT Saturday. I don't know if it's combined or not yet, we probably find that out one hour beforehand. But uh, Johnny and Friends next week. Be praying for that. A bunch of us are going there from this uh, for our fellowship group. I think that's it okay. as far as plans. A Can bunch of people: Carlo, Jamie, myself, Tim. Um, there, yeah, Evan. Yep, that's it from our fellowship. Ph- ph- I'll post uh, a specific prayer request
5: list on our Facebook
2: page probably tomorrow or Saturday.
0: Cool. Very good. Thanks, as far as other big plans, I don't think there are any. Oh, random plan. If you'd like to join uh, the Hagers and the Beaches in two weekends from now, we're going camping. Whoa. Open to anybody. We got room on our site. Up to How eight people. We're Where at? are you going?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a farm. If we have more Where? than, like, ten people, I
0: like, can ask them, and then they can give us a room. Woo. It's gonna, yeah, so open invite. Come if you want to. It's the 26th. The 24th through the 26th. Oh, 24th to 26th. It's in random uh, land. Random land. A it's, it's on a farm. It's going to be dope as hell. Anyways, open to anybody. You don't got to pay, we'll pay for
1: it. Will
0: be the hot dogs the
1: Stay tuned. Stay We do have 100 of them left. Anyways,
0: Lindsay, come on up.
1: Woo! <laughs>
6: Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, I think I know everyone. If I don't, my name is Lindsay. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, So tonight, uh, like Rich said, we have a difficult passage that is in front of us, and I just kind of want to jump into it, sort of. Um, The first time that I read this passage, I actually had a lot of questions about it, and someone told me that oh, this is really just a cultural thing just for those people. It's not really relevant. And so I just kind of ignored it. Um, but that's not true of Scripture. Um, all Scripture is good for teaching and for reproof. And so that is something that you have to deal with, with this very difficult passage. Um, and so I want to remind us of the goal of the book of first Timothy, the goal and the context. And so the goal, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And then the context is Paul is writing here um, so that we should know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So this is something that is really relevant. This is something that we should really care about um, is the culture of our church, especially if we're supposed to be the pillars and support of the truth. And as our culture changes, we will be persecuted and misunderstood for following the Bible. So we wanna know why we're holding to this, and what it's actually saying. Um, so last week, we left off in 1 Timothy 2.8. Um, can someone get this for me?
1: Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension.
6: All right, without wrath and dissension. This is what our culture dreams of. We want this utopia where everybody just kind of gets along. Um, But this is something that's really difficult to do because we're judgers. We judge people uh, often based on our differences. Uh, And this is something specifically that Paul is calling out, is that we have different genders. Uh, There are differences between men and women. And normally the Bible tells us to revere those differences, um, but here, it's even showing how naturally we have ungodly differences. Um, our men are often naturally fighters. They love to brawl. Uh, they're pretty brutal, too. Um, I don't know if you guys have looked into it, but it's not just in the bars. They have a whole sports based around this. Uh, There's UCF, MMA, uh, yeah, there's a a bunch. (laughs) People love to fight, and it gets gross. People, it gets bloody, it gets violent. And what Paul is saying here is that's not the place for this. Guys, leave that bar behavior behind. This is not a place for brutality. Um, and so then he calls out the women who can get this one for me.
7: Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness.
6: Okay, so here again, he's calling out our natural uh, ungodly behavior. As a woman, uh, I can attest that uh, we like to get attention. Uh, We like to adorn ourselves, make ourselves look beautiful, show off our riches, show off um, to get a male attention. And God's saying that that's something we need to leave at home. Again, when you go to the bar, when you see in our culture, women are kind of letting it all hang out, showing off, trying to get male attention and be chased, pursued. But God's saying that's not the place. This isn't what we want. So are we just supposed to make ourselves as ugly as possible? Just be super drab, hide. No. (laughs) That's not what he's saying here either. Um, There are specific times that pearls and gold and braids are appropriate. Like at weddings. We're supposed to use these things well. Um, He's not banning that. But he's calling out the shallowness of our culture. It's We're not just showing off and being all about appearances and riches and sexy adornments. But... God is calling us to be people of substance. Women, instead of like showing off, having like trying to get that attention, wouldn't you rather be known for how respectable you are, how dignified you are, how full of grace? That is what God is calling for us to show, that those are the first things that people notice about us, not our bodies, not how good we look. God wants this church his body of Christ to be a place where it's very clear that there isn't wrath or dissension. We're not playing those manipulative mind games that are in the bars, but we have peace and respect. And if you want this, you found the right place. Uh, If you want to be like this, It starts with a relationship with Christ. So all you have to do, you can do that at any time. You talk to God and say, hey, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't make life work. Jesus, I want your death on the cross to count for me, a sinner. And he's like, cool, let's get started. Let me show you what that means. So continuing in our passage, we have verses 11 through 14. Who can read this for me?
5: A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived, not into transgression.
6: Okay. Sorry
2: wasn't quiet. No. No. <laughs>
6: I, I guess this is all Lenny and I have for our, you guys. I should go sit down, right? Uh, well, if we're at face value, that's what it sounds like. But let's take some time because cause there are a bunch of questions I have for this passage. So first, we're supposed to be quiet and learn with all submissiveness. Well, when you're learning, I think that kind of goes for everyone being submissive. If that's not necessarily gendered, is like, okay, if I'm learning, I'm gonna be humble, I'm gonna listen, and I'm gonna try to take this. Um, and I know this sounds really like not great, but it's actually a really positive thing for women. At the time, um, women weren't allowed to learn. Uh, in Judaism, uh, there's a quote that says, it's better for the Torah to burn than to fall into the hands of a woman. Ouch. So here, it's actually like, no, women, you should be learning. This is good for you. So, so let's learn together. Let's go through this because uh, it sounds confusing. And again, if we read it at face value, it's really hard. It's hard for me to hear. It's been really difficult to process through this. It makes me think I'm not valuable. I don't have much to say, or I'm not worthwhile. But I don't think that's what it is saying. So, is it saying, if all men have authority... Oh, we skipped ahead, I'm so sorry. Um, Is it saying that all men have authority over women? It sounds like it, right? What does this mean? Is it, what about my professor or my employer? And is it, it's just because Adam was created first? I don't, I don't know if I get that logic. It kind of sounds like first grade logic where it's like, I came first, so I'm better, so I get to do it, <laughs> right? That doesn't make sense. That's not a real argument. And it doesn't line up with what most of scripture says. So here we go. If all men have authority over women, why was Deborah a judge? So um, a judge was, back in the Old Testament, before there was a monarchy, um, a judge was appointed as the leader of Israel. And (laughs) uh, in Judges 4, 4 through 5, we see that Deborah was a judge. Can someone read this for me?
2: Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labrador, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment.
6: Okay, so she's judging both men and women. The sons of Israel came up for her judgment. And so maybe maybe you were thinking like, oh, well, this Deborah lady, she probably got this Position of authority, like in a sneaky way, she probably was doing something terrible to, to work her way up to be this judge. Well, that's not true. It's like, can someone get this verse for me? Then
3: the Lord raised, raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered
6: them. Okay, so God is the one who appoints judges, He put Deborah in charge of all of Israel. Okay, and then as I'm thinking more, well, I know some other women leaders in the Bible. Um, what about them? There's a lot in the New Testament specifically. And so uh, we have Phoebe here. Um, she was a deaconess, and Paul even claims that she ministered to him, that she was giving him direction and leading. Um, we also have Priscilla. Uh, It's Prisca is the nickname here, Um, but she was a fellow worker with Paul, and she helped lead Apollos in more knowledge of Christ. And as we see here, her name is listed first, which is kind of a big deal in the Greek. Um, They would put the most important or the dominant leader beforehand, and so she is before her husband, which is kind of a big deal. And then also, we have uh, Junia. Right here, it was translated Junius, but if you look at the Greek, it's actually Junia. It is a woman. And she is outstanding among the apostles. That is what call, uh, Paul says here that she was an apostle, she was a church planter, and she was outstanding. Okay, so maybe Paul got confused when he, he was writing all of this, or he changed his mind um, when he was writing 1 Timothy. But if so, why would Paul misuse the Bible? Uh, he quotes from Genesis 2 and uh, makes it out that women are more easily duped. Ah, you know, Adam came first, and then Eve was the one who was deceived. She was gullible. She fell into transgression. Um, But if, again, we look at the uh, Genesis passage, the serpent is talking, and he uses the plural form of you. There's more than one person there, and it was Adam. He was standing right there at the deception. He was letting his wife do all of the talking, and he heard from God, straight up, don't do this and he let it happen. He was not deceived. He fully knew and transgressed. So he's responsible. But, but even, if, even if that part maybe we're misunderstanding, which I don't think we are, but giving Paul some credit, maybe women are more easily duped. Maybe that's true. But then, why would we trust them to teach other women and children? Um, uh, Can someone get this verse for me?
4: Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved much wine. Teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children.
2: Teaching
6: women what is good (laughs) wouldn't. If women were more easily duped, wouldn't you either not have them teach other women or only let them teach the men? If men are so much smarter, they could pick out all of the, the lies and the deception, right? And Paul wrote this book. Paul is the same author here um, as in, in Titus in 1 Timothy. So this, this doesn't line up. And even more, there are more verses that validate women. Um, can someone get First Corps 1426?
1: What is the outcome then, brothers? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for education.
6: Okay. So, everyone has something to contribute. This is every single person. It's not just men. Um, And this is supposed to be a participative. Everyone's supposed to be contributing. Everyone's (laughs) supposed to be participating. Um, This keeps our body of Christ lively and fulfilling for both genders. Um, Even more so, let's go back again to the Old Testament. We've got some Proverbs where uh, wisdom was described as a woman. And here we have the ideal woman, the Proverbs 31 woman, can someone read this? She opens her mouth wisdom, and
2: the
6: teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Right. She ha- she's teaching. She has wisdom. She is not easily duped. Okay. And then even more so in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about women prophesying publicly, which he noted, was one of the greater gifts. So, obviously, women are supposed to be participating. But this is confusing. This doesn't make sense. So, we need a hermeneutical interpretation. Which, that's a big old fancy word that means it's the scientific study of how to interpret this text. We're not just reading things at face value but we're pulling in the historical context the grammatical context the syntax Um, this is something that we do with your basic textbook your history books science math you know we use this all the time this isn't anything different Um, so part of that is that things need to make sense Um, if we're reading something and it contradicts itself, we probably have the wrong interpretation. Another thing is that we interpret scripture with scripture. So we already have a ton of scripture that is validating women, showing that they can teach and preach. And this one is the only one that's saying otherwise. So, okay. Um, We interpret the clear in light of the unclear. So we have a very clear teaching with Proverbs 31. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That is very, very clear. Whereas this passage isn't as clear. We can see some of the logic doesn't make as much sense when you just read it at face value. Um, We never base a major doctrine off of an unclear passage. And I would say this is a pretty major doctrine. If we are saying that women can't teach and can't lead, that cuts out half of our Christian workers from using their gifts that God has given them. I know that's really important to me as a woman. Like, I have friends who are gifted in this way, and I want to see them thrive and fulfill the work of God. And lastly, all-important doctrine is repeated. We don't get things very easily. We need reminded a lot. Um, Sometimes it's written in different words so that we can't miss it or can't make excuses. Um, And we're just hearing about this one now. This is our only passage that says something like this. Uh, we have 1,500 1, pages of Bible before this. Um, and this is kind of written at the end of the New Testament. So it's, it's very much like, whoa, there's not much room for it to come up again. So I think you guys can see that this traditional interpretation, it doesn't make sense. This, pro, this isn't what the passage is saying. So Eleni is going to come up and talk about what it is saying. Oh.
1: Wow.
3: Wow. I'm going to move this too, because I 100% run into it. Whoa. I do a little bit. <laughs> All right. So tonight, we're going to take a look at this passage again. But we're going to do this by, in two different ways. We're going to dig a little deeper in two different ways. One is by looking at the actual context of this passage. So within the passage, right? Scripture with Scripture. We're looking at the context. Um, And then we're also going to be looking at this passage in light of other scripture throughout the Bible that we've been given, okay? This hermeneutical interpretation. Super fancy way of saying we're going to actually study the Bible, which is pretty cool. Um, I will say, like Lindsay, this was not an easy one to study. (laughs) Um, I'm loud, and I like talking. (laughs) So to be told to like not do those things kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I think when the first time I was reading this passage in preparation for this, it wasn't the first time I'd read it, but before I just kind of like skimmed through it. I literally called Justin and was like, I don't want to teach this. No. And he goes, well, okay, you know, things are changing. You might not have to, blah, blah, blah. And then I got excited. I was like, I'm not going to have to teach this. Someone (laughs) else is. And then it was me. And I was like, okay, God, this will be fun. So to other women, I get being uncomfortable. I get it if it's rubbing you a little bit the wrong way. So let's dive into the passage and kind of try to make sense and interpret the unclear in light of it. Okay? So let's take a look at this passage one more time. Whoa, it started from the beginning. <laughs> oh, oh. All right, so let's take a look here. We're going to go through. This is the part that's like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. All right? A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a wrongdoer. And so in this passage, if you were to look at the original Greek that it was written, the word for woman and the word for man can mean different things. So the word that they're using here in the original Greek is aner for man and or gune for women. And this can be interpreted as man and woman or as husband and wife. The way that you tell the difference between those two things is by the context of the actual passage. So then, I'm looking at this when I was looking at it and like, well, then why was it translated this way? Because that sucks for women, right? Well, look at the history of the church, not the early church, but like, you know, during the Roman times. There's a lot of misogyny. Roman Catholicism did a lot to keep women quiet and submissive and away from everything else. The Puritan era, okay? There's a lot of misogyny in the early, in the church. And there were a lot of people that were translating the Bible that wanted women to not really have a role. And so that could have been one of the reasons. But thankfully, we have the original Greek text. We can see that the word could have been used as husband and wife. And if we look at the passage here, they're talking about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are the first marriage. So they're talking about marriage here, which means husband and wife. And so if you're looking at this, it could say a wife must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, wow. But I do not allow a wife to teach or exercise authority over her husband, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but his wife was deceived and became a wrongdoer. So this is how it could look. And this is more in line with other passages about marriage in the Bible. So we're going to race through three different places that we've already talked about, right? Um, Well, specifically, we've talked about Ephesians 5. That was our last teaching series. We had a whole teaching about marriage on it, right, in it, and about women and being submissive. And it says in Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. Could someone read this for me, please?
6: Wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the
3: savior of the body. Okay, awesome. So that's one passage where they're talking, it seems a lot more similar in the context of husband and wife, right? And then we also have 1 Corinthians verse, um, chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. And then again, we have something very similar in 1 Peter 3. What verses 1 and 2? In the same way, you wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even, even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your pure and respectful behavior. So you can see that in light of other scripture, it would make sense that this passage, 1 Timothy and 1 Timothy 2, is really referring to husband and wife. But to better understand the passage, then we need to look at that first marriage. We need to look at Adam and Eve, which means we have to go all the way to the beginning. We've got to go all the way back to Genesis. All right? So we're going to take a look and spend a little bit of time in Genesis 2, because that is what Paul is pointing to. In Genesis 2, God is highlighting the differences between men and women. And so I'm going to take, a, I'm take us in a little bit of a deeper dive into those differences. But I have a little bit of a caveat. All right, while I'm talking, it's going to be really natural for you guys to think of like the exception to this, right? I'm going to be talking about, well, God made men this way and women this way. And you're going to like, be like, but I know people that fit this or I don't really fit that. Okay, that's natural. I did the same thing. But I want to encourage you to kind of stretch yourself, to put that aside for right now, to get past everything that's already <coughs> enculturated into yourself right? You want to look past those different, those enculturated differences that that come from the way that your family was, from the way that you were raised, from the way that you grew up, and look at the differences that God put there. So, let's take a look first at the men. Could I get someone to read Genesis 2, verse 24, please?
1: For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become flesh.
3: All right, so in this passage, we're told how man has been designed to relate to woman. It means the first thing is that men are supposed to leave their parents, right? That means that they're the ones that are going out. They're the ones that are taking the initiative to go and do this thing. Because God gave them that unique ability to take that initiative, to be go-getters, to go out and do. And he not only just like, left and kind of was willy-nilly and did whatever he wanted. No, he left to be joined with his wife, to be cleaved to his wife. Which means that he's not just initiating time to go out and kind of do whatever, but he's initiating a vulnerable, honest, deep relationship and saying, hey, you, I need you. Let's relate. In today's world, this idea of what men could be like seems really rare. If you look at the world's view, doesn't seem very typical. But this is how God created men. And it means that men are the happiest when they're initiating this role, when they're going out and initiating those relationships, those vulnerable, real relationships. We can also gain some insight from God's commission to Adam. Can someone read Genesis 2.15 for me, please?
1: Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden, the garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it.
3: So God gave Adam a job. He said, hey, here's the world. Tend to it. Make it better. Do something with it. And if we even look in the world system, right, what do men like to do? Things. They like to do things. All right? So for example, for example, um, when, before Justin and I started dating officially, we would go on what we called not date dates. Okay, I would literally tell people, oh, you've got to not date date with someone. All right, So our very first not date date he asked me on, I was so excited. I was like, okay, we're going like, to go for a walk by the river, we're going to go get some dinner, it's going to be really sweet. That's not what it was. Instead, he took me to this Middle Eastern market, and we went back to his parents' house, and we made hummus. Which, looking back, was really cool, um, but not what I expected, right? But here's this man who's like, oh, we're going to go do this thing that I like to do. Make hummus. Cool. Sounds good. All right? But let's talk about women a little bit here. Let's. Can someone read Genesis 2.18 for me, please? Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone.
2: I will make him a helper suitable for the world. <coughs> All right,
3: so the adjective to describe a woman is helper. All right, so fun fact, in the Old Testament, the word that is used here for helper is used 20 times to describe the role that God plays in our life. But it's only used once to describe a woman, to describe a person. And that is a woman. That's significant. And so, in our own lives, we see God as very significant. We ask him for his help. We ask him for his insight. We don't see God as inferior for helping us. We see him as extremely significant and important. And so, this shows that women have a very significant role in general. It also shows that this woman, Eve, women were created for men's sake. In this case, Eve was created for Adam's sake. Because Adam was lonely. And God literally said, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to give you a solution. This woman. And when Eve is there, Adam literally breaks out in song about this woman. Because he's not alone anymore. And so this shows that women have a really unique capacity for relationships, right? We are the relational side of existence. Think about it. Which parent, typically, would you call if you, like, were really upset and you wanted to have a heart-to-heart with someone? You'd probably call your mom. Now, I have an example of this in my own life, kind of the antithesis of this, I had a really bad day teaching one day. Like, really bad. I wanted to quit. It was way back when I was working in Akron. I was just done. And so, my mom didn't pick up when I called her. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll call my dad. (laughs) Not a good idea. I call my dad, and he, I kid you not, he literally says to me, if you want sympathy, call your mom. If you want something fixed, call me don't call me unless you want something fixed. And then hung up the
2: phone.
3: Uh, We have since moved past that, all right? He, like, came back and was like, I said those things? And I was like, yeah, that's why I don't really call you very often. He's like, oops. (laughs) You know, but it kind of shows that women just naturally are more relational, right? And the world sees it this way, too, right? I found this comic on, um, there's this really famous, well, I think it's famous webcomic called um xkcd has anyone ever heard this anyway they're pretty funny i enjoy them a lot i know becky likes them too and justin and evan all right so i found this it's how to how how men make friends all right so presenting how to make friends and it's two men all right one man says to another want to go eat food together well we could also sit together and talk without eating i don't need to eat i mean i do need to eat but if you just want to eat we could just talk i mean i can eat later It turns out I still haven't figured it out. (laughs) All right? So even in the world, the world gets it, right? They're not the super relational. They're not intuitively good at the relational side of things at all. And in the world in general, we see this. In the 2020 census um, that just happened, for every five people that got married, 2.3 people got divorced. I don't know how 0.3 of a person got divorced, but statistics, there's math there. They told me. There's math there, okay? I looked at the CDC. That's a lot. That's about a 50% divorce rate. And that 50% divorce rate has kind of held steady for a very long time. And the thing is, not as many people are getting married. More people are just cohabitating. And the people that are cohabitating that break up don't have to report it because they don't have to legally do anything about it. So this percentage could actually be a lot higher. We just don't have the data to support it. So the thing is, these differences between men and women, naturally people tend to divide over these differences. But God intended something very different. He intended for these differences to complement one another. And so he doesn't, God doesn't want these differences to naturally result in division and alienation. Actually, he wants to have this solution. He's like, I don't want there to be alienation. I don't want there to be division. So God's solution was to establish authority, specifically in marriage. And that authority is husband. You know, in verse 14, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and became the wrongdoer. This is Adam's mess, like Lindsay said. Adam was there. Adam was the one that was told, don't eat this fruit. He was told by God. And he was there when the snake deceived Eve. And he let it happen. So it's Adam's mess, not Eve's. Eve was tricked, but Adamly, Adam did this knowingly. So what does this passage actually say? Could someone read 1 Timothy 2? Verse 12 for me, please.
1: I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet.
3: Alright, so I want to break this down a little bit more and we're going to talk about the original Greek words for different parts. Alright, so this word authority isn't the typical word for authority, which is exousia. Other places in the Bible is exousia, but that's not the word for authority that is used here. Instead, It's Authentian, which is very unique to just this passage. So it's a very deliberate choice on Paul's part. And so that version of Authentian, right, that authority, actually means to domineer or to take control over. So Paul is saying that he doesn't want women, a wife, to domineer her husband, to try to control her husband, and this part about be remaining quiet Paul's not saying "Be silent forever." Lindsay talked about that. There were women prophesying, teaching all of these things. They were prophetesses. They were leading. But he's saying to remain quiet for the purpose of learning. And actually, the same word for quiet Lindsay kind of touched on it earlier. It wasn't just like a singular, like, just the women do this. It was like everybody in the body of Christ should probably be quiet when people are teaching so you can learn. And saying that wives should avoid jumping in ahead of their husbands and kind of stirring up that controversy. So what it really means is that a wife and a husband should be able to speak as one voice because they become one, right? So if they aren't in agreement, if there's an issue then he's encouraging men and women, their husband and wife to discuss that issue in private and then come forward together. Now, Justin and I have done this um, many times over our marriage. Uh, One of the more recent, I guess now it's not as recent as it is in my brain. Um, Right after I had Sophia, uh, we were in the middle of COVID. So we weren't really having a lot of people over and I started to experience the symptoms of postpartum depression and it was really, really, really severe. Um, In my head, it was saying, no one cares about me. No one is my friend. I am alone. I'd be better off if I wasn't here. And obviously Justin and I disagreed (laughs) on that point. But we were able to come together and my husband was able to come alongside me and say, no, no. Those things aren't true. No, I think you need to listen to your doctors when they tell you, you have postpartum depression, you need to be on medication. And it took a while to get there, but it did. And we were able to come into agreement, and things are a lot better now. (laughs) because it Turns out I did have postpartum depression. (laughs) It was something I was really suffering through. And I'm so grateful that he was willing to speak into my life and say, hey, we're in disagreement on this, I think you need to go this way. I'm thankful that I was willing to listen and go his way and be submissive in that way. But again, like Lindsay was saying, this doesn't mean that any man can go and teach any woman and expect that they be submissive to them. It's just in the context of marriage. Okay? Because it'd be really weird if someone else was like, you have to submit to me, and I'd be like, I'm married, I don't have to do that. (laughs) I probably wouldn't react very well. Be real. Um, so, it also means that women have a very dignified and vital role to play in the body of Christ, in the world, and it goes against the cultural norms. Could someone read verse fifteen for me, please?
7: But women will be preserved in childbirth if they continue in faith, love, and sanctity with moderation.
3: Okay. So, this word right here, "preserved," the original Greek word is "sozo." All right. And it means that they would, it means to save, to heal, to deliver, to be made whole, to be made alive through this really beautiful blessing of motherhood. It's a really special blessing um, in the role of motherhood. And it really relates to woman's sanctification through the raising of her children. And it's mysterious and it's spiritual, but there is a fundamental biological change that happens within a woman as they go through having a child, or as they go through raising a child. And we've proven this physically, right? There was a Columbia study that wasn't too long ago where they studied the hormone oxytocin that was released in men and women when they hugged dogs. Turns out women's system were flooded with this good hormone, right? And men didn't have it, like at all. And so they were saying that like, This shows that there is a fundamental physical change when it comes to a woman taking care of something else and raising something else. And I know this to be true in my own life, personally. Like, I was very, very vocal for a very long time about when I had kids, I was going to go back to teaching full time. That's what I was going to do. And that's okay. That's an okay decision to make. And I was very vocal about it. And people brought up like, eh, might change. And I was like, no, it's not. This is what I want to do with my life. What are you talking about? No. And I I remember getting into arguments or disagreements and feeling hurt and being really sad and being like, why doesn't other people understand? This is what I want. And then I had Sophia. Surprise. (laughs) Because everything changed. Everything. And it got to a point Where I had to go back to work, and in my life, which is okay, you can choose to work. That's an okay decision. But for me, that was one of the most difficult things I have ever had to do. I had to leave before Sophia was awake in the morning. I'd get home. She'd be in her last nap of the day, so I wouldn't see her for about an hour. She'd get up. She'd be up for two hours, and that would be the only time I got with her the entire day. And it was heartbreaking. It was so hard. And my heart goes out to women that have to continue to grow out. That's hard. Really heartbreaking for me. Um, I'm not saying that that's a decision everybody has to make, but I realized, oh, I was wrong. I was very wrong. And I was vocally wrong. And it was kind of embarrassing because I had to go back to people and be like, that are close to me, and be like, I was wrong. And I don't know what to do because I planned on teaching and so I don't have any other prospects and this is really hard and I'm really sad and I don't know what to do. And I'd call Justin on my lunch breaks and on my pump breaks and FaceTime Sophia, but it wasn't good enough. And so through a lot of prayer, thankfully, um, the Lord was very kind and gave me this opportunity with the job that I work with now, the autism helper. And so I'm still working full time, right? It helps my brain. It's really cool. Um, But I get to be home with Soph. And my job, like I said, is a really big blessing. It's super flexible. I can kind of do it on my own time. I can get, as long as I'm getting the projects done that I need to, it's awesome. They're okay with it. They're okay with me being home with Sophia. That's really cool. But when a woman has a child and is raising a child, there is a fundamental shift and a fundamental change. And it is spectacular. It is amazing. And I can see why Paul would say this, that they're preserved through this. They're made whole. And this goes out to raising kids. It's not just having them, it's raising them, raising those children. But what does this actually mean for us today? Well, it means that men and women have different roles in our fellowship. We have different strengths and different weaknesses, and that's a good thing. It's a very good thing that we're not all the same person. Have you guys not seen the Stepford walks? That looks horrible. We're different, right? And so rather than divide, let those differences divide us, we need to learn how to depend on one another. Learn to learn from each other. And we can see in 1st Corinthians Oh yeah, by the way, this is another funny video, a comic that I found, it's, uh, about child being a pregnant. It's neat how you can create a factory for making more of you within you pretty funny anyways um i was supposed to show that earlier i forgot but first corinthians Corinthians 12 21 and i cannot say to the hand i have no need of you or again the head to the feet i have no need of you and so we need this goes through the unity and the diversity of the body of christ right the hand the eye the head the feet those are all pretty necessary things pretty necessary we all need each other it's vital so we need to learn how to learn from one another, despite our differences. It also means that in marriage, we need to listen to what's said in Ephesians 5.21, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This is the way that we're supposed to be submitting to each other. Husbands need to learn and listen to their wives, and they can help you to become more relational. Wives need to learn and listen from their, to their husbands. They can show you, teach you how to be more initiative, more practical, more functional. I know for me, um, I asked Justin's permission to share this, but um, in our marriage, um, I've been able. He's even said, like, you've shown me the importance of people. Like before, I didn't really have that, but now you've shown me the importance of this friendship, the importance of people, the importance of loving people in your life. And for me, he's been able to teach me that, like, one, how my emotions don't have to rule me all the time. I can be a lot more stable than I was. And just because someone doesn't talk to me, it doesn't mean that they hate me.
7: <laughs>
3: but if you're not married, you can practice within this with this friendship in the body of Christ. Because in Genesis 2, it talked about how the two became one, right? And like when we're preparing for marriage, we're like, yeah, the two became one. Sex time, right? But really, marriage is only like 10% about that sex only like 10% sex, and 90% friendship. And it's that friendship developed with another person. It's that communication, that time spent, the learning together, the, the being there for one another. That's what the majority of your marriage really is. And so, in order to learn how to have a good marriage, you got to learn how to be a good friend, and have friendships with people of the other se- opposite sex, too. Even if you're married, it's still good to practice this. You know, it's probably not good if they're your best friend, like someone of the opposite sex being your best friend. It's not a good thing your husband's supposed to be that, or your wife. Um, But someone that you talk to and relate with and are talking about real things, as long as you're talking to your husband or wife about those things, it's still really good to have that relationship, that practice. And then if you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to know that even though there's this difficult, kind of really uncomfortable passage, I hope that you're able to see that God loves you. And God sees men as and women as different but equal. And so I want to encourage you to keep investigating. Keep asking questions. Keep asking hard questions because God can take it. And if you want to experience this friendship, this thing that actually works, keep on investigating God. And if you're like, yeah, I want that, then I suggest that you pray. And you say, God... I am a sinner. I'm not good enough. I need your son's death on the cross to count for my sins. I want a friendship with you. I want a relationship with you. Because the foundation of marriage, the foundation of these friendships that last, that work, where there's differences, but it's okay. They're founded in God. Because God loved us first. And so then we're able to go out and love other people. So that's all that Lindsay and I had for tonight. You guys have any questions or comments? <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. But, um, just something I was kinda of noticing when you guys were teaching is one is relations three twenty mm-hmm. yep. eight. Which is yep. neither slave nor free man nor Jew. You know, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that kind of hit me was Jesus at the yeah. well. Why he if he even wasted his time with a woman if you guys were worth nothing? Exactly. And he saved Mary from being stoned to death. hmm So it's like if, if he, Putting things in perspective and reading them in the passage is huge. Yeah. Because I've seen so many people even use Old Testament verses, like when they were saying for a woman they were worth this much, and for a man they were worth that much, and then you go back and forth for um, sacrifice. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, well, women aren't worth that much either, and I'm just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's crazy job. Yeah.
3: Especially because Christ died so that we could that like to, to get rid of the Old Testament right to say that that law doesn't necessarily doesn't apply to us anymore instead we have this freedom in Christ through him and he loved women like, loved women
7: yeah
3: and protected them and encouraged them to learn yeah. you know if you look at Mary and Martha Martha's like get back in here Mary come cook with me and Jesus is like no she chose the better place she's yeah. learning mm-hmm. I'm not gonna tell her to come back
1: and there's a whole book about a woman
3: True, really? very true, very yeah. true. And Esther, yep, yeah. very true. Anybody else? Thank you, John. I uh,
2: um, have half of a thought. Um, awesome. I, I just wanted to. Um, it is very hard to talk about like gender differences. Sorry. I'm glad that you like. You know, gave it go. Thanks for. <laughs> Thanks for putting in the effort um, but I, I just feel like, like especially in our culture and, like um, you know, not wanting to step on anybody's toes, and, you know, then there's a lot of like you know, just like stupid stuff like, well, boys can like pink like, well, that's not the point that's, you're missing the point <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I'm struck by like Rich and I are so very different as people, but I also like, especially with having Samson and just like seeing a lot more of like, it doesn't it's so weird that, like, our culture looks at gender differences as, like, such a problem and, like, won't consider that actually, like, a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of yeah. just inherent, like, value and beauty in, like, right. having such differences and just, like, you know, being relational is, like, one of the primary women things and I am, like, really bad at being relational. And I, you know, but even so, like, it, you know, that's not you know, you're talking about like not focusing on exceptions but it's like it's not even really like that you could point at that and be like, well, that means the whole thing doesn't matter. It's like, no, like there's a, there's a fundamental difference in these really beautiful
3: strengths and weaknesses and I think it's
2: really cool going forward to set
3: that up. For sure. Yeah. And I will say that you have very much so grown in your relational ability. In the like 13 years I've known you. You've grown so much. You do talk. And you can turn left.
2: Women yeah. <laughs> are not great at driving sometimes. And I'm sorry to give all of a, a bad name, but I do turn left now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: She, she had a hard time. She lived on a really busy road, and I would be like, going car places with her because I didn't have a car, and so she'd be driving me and
2: turning left. I had a car, but Eleni was very assertive, so that's, that's how we... That's how our relationship
3: worked, was she would drive, and I would go, go, and she'd turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you're good, now. You're good. You can go, 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 and she'd go. Otherwise, we'd be there for 30 minutes.
4: So that's,
3: so that's where Sophia gets. That's, yeah,
4: that's where Sophia
3: gets. It. <laughs> <laughs> that is where Sophia gets it. Sit down. down. And Go fast. Go fast. My daughter is fast, very, fast. very, very, very bossy, and I get it know?
0: Yeah.
7: <laughs> Turns out I made
3: a mini-me. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo!
0: I have something to share. Um, so if you look on YouTube and all these theologians and a lot of pastors, you look at their interpretations. Yeah, not allowed to teach. They should be pastors, and maybe they should be like they'll say you they can teach other women and kids, mm-hmm. but absolutely not. They should not be teaching of God at all. Yeah, um, it's so sad too because it's such a you know I'm so grateful for our fellowship here and, and others like us where you know God has given us all different gifts
7: mm-hmm.
0: and gifts are not specified for gender. Mm-hmm. You know God gives. Through his Holy Spirit, he gives gifts to men and women. Yeah. Um, it could be the gift of teaching or preaching or whatever it may be. You know, it's, it's not gender specific. As he sees fit and not us and what our you know our thoughts
1: are or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so it, it's just so beautiful to see this played out in this body of Christ. Yeah. You two teach mm-hmm. And to us for all of us to be edified by that.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's really sad for the other churches that take that view more. Even more you know, the prime example of Deborah, a leader mm-hmm. of Israel, a whole freaking nation. Yeah. She's so cool. It's, and God picked her up. Um it's so hard to get around that. Yeah. All these other examples. So, uh, thanks, for sure. thanks for putting the
3: time and effort yeah. And I know for me, I would really grateful we got this opportunity to teach this because it was challenging, but it yeah. it's really beautiful to see how God really loves us and like sees us as equal and wants us to these things for us. And Views women. Um, so I'm grateful that Evan and Craig didn't have to teach this. In that it's like
0: you're taking half of the damn gifted right? out of yeah. the church.
3: I know. And I'm really grateful because like, my mom, my grandparents, my grandma, was um, loved the Lord. But she was raised in Greek Orthodox. And so one of the most prized possessions I have of her um, was her Bible after she died. Because she would study it in secret in the mornings. And like I remember coming down from breakfast for breakfast in the morning at my grandma's house, and she'd be in her Bible. And so I have this Bible that's full of things that she's written. But you can also see where she had to erase it really fast, <laughs> and like different, like just kind of she's erased these things because she couldn't let the um, priest see it. And she would like have these women Bible studies that were they would they were just having women's hour. They were having coffee. <laughs> They're coming over for colludia, and so she would have like these secret Bible studies oh, through the Orthodox Church, but it's sad that she had to do that.
5: Yeah.
3: Right. yeah, And it's so freeing that that's not what God actually intended for us. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
5: so like a typical strong clerical woman, this whole idea of submitting to the husband. Oh, yeah. such a story a long time. And I was actually talking to my friend Rana about this a couple of weeks ago because she's a full, she's not a believer, full of feminist, whatever, she's of bashing this aspect yeah. of scripture. And one of the things that I always go back to, and it's so true, and I wish I had gotten it like 20 years ago in my marriage, but it's just God's design. Mm-hmm. And if we would learn to just be obedient to God's design, and he set it up that way, because that's what's best for us and most healthy for us and when we're happiest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he created the marriage, it's not like... It's everything he created. He created his good, and we screwed it up, right? And marriage was just created that way for some order, so it wouldn't be chaos yeah. and mayhem. And for many years of my marriage, it was chaos and mayhem. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you yep. don't have to look far to figure out why. Right? Yep. I was just totally fighting God's design. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good job, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. It
7: exactly cure the mm-hmm. So, one of the, when I first started coming around, like one of the first time churches I mentioned, there was a teach I had teaching on this Ephesians passage, Wife submit to us. had mm-hmm. just gotten divorced. I was not a believer. I was ready to walk. Mm-hmm. And it took me like months and months and months to realize it was not submission to my husband as yeah. so mm-hmm. much as I didn't want um, to acknowledge God's authority. Yeah. yeah. So, that whole, like a, that, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. In everything. Yeah. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: thank you, book, for doing this. I read this and went, oh, I am so glad
3: yeah not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Keith said the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. But no, yeah. it's so true. And like, how beautiful is that God is so patient. And it's like wants you to question and wants you yeah. to interact with him in that way. And like was patient enough to last those months. Okay, yeah. Like that is, and before that, the rest of your life, before that, like it's so beautiful how patient and loving he is. Mm-hmm. It's
7: really I cool. just waited till I was ready. Just exactly. Like,
3: yeah. It's really cool.
4: Something I think is really cool with those distinctions you're making and uh, sort of in a marriage, like that it's different uh, complementary strengths of men and women Talking about how Salisbury Place as a, sanct- a path for sanctification towards <laughs> the objects, and uh, I, th- I just saw that a lot uh, growing up um, with just how different our family was from how my previous generations in my family were, uh-huh. uh, where the word wasn't involved at all. Uh, where like yes, my you know with all the and, and you, you talk I think I feel like every single time you do a teaching, you talk about uh, some aspect of your family that was dysfunctional like, yeah. not, and how much of an impact you know, you've know had in them and in that family bringing Christ yeah. back to them. But like, maybe Justin a lot of time had to identify a lot of that stuff for you, like in like a lot of direction. But oh, yeah. for Sophia it's as well, going forward, like you're the one who's best equipped to communicate that to her. Yeah, uh, Which is super sweet because she's going to grow up in a family vastly different.
3: So grateful for that, man.
4: And, and like, some of the stories you have got to tell her later on, like, with how much your role with your your parents yeah. has changed their walks and their lives with Lord. Yeah. So she's going to be like, they're not like that at all. And you're going to be like, yes, okay. it's done so much work that she didn't do. Uh-huh. You know, she's going <laughs> yeah. to feel a lot of people much better as a result of that. And so that's yeah. Really sweet,
3: you know. Yeah, I know. Thank you for saying that. Because, like, I know in our marriage, like, Justin definitely has a huge role with her yeah. family. Because I'm like blinded by rage sometimes and I'm like yep. so mad. He's like your dad's just messing with you, man. And I'm like why would he say those things <laughs> to with me? And he's like cuz that's your dad.
4: Yeah.
3: Why don't you calm down? Go take a walk or something. <laughs> so I'm like well, I just want to argue with him and make him say I'm right. He's like he's not going to, dude. Yeah. So grateful for that. that Much better relationship with my dad because of him. <laughs> Because of the Lord. It's not about the other person. It's about you. Mm-hmm. I know. John. <laughs> I know. The Zynga. The Zynga. The
7: <laughs>
3: All right. Does anybody have anything else to say? If not, we can have a couple of people pray, and I can shut us down.
0: Well, Lord, thank you for uh, gathering us all here. Just, uh, thank you for this teaching tonight. God was, uh, really identified by it. Thank you, God, that you
1: care for all people, whether yeah. we for uh, a man or a woman, whatever it may be. God, you care for all people. You died for all people. So
0: thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that free gift there. Thank you for just allowing us to experience true freedom and true life in you, your Son. We you just. Uh, Oh, we pray we can have some uh, great fellowship here tonight we walk out of here. conviction. Um, let's pray
4: for our culture, Lord. Yeah. We so are so lost. <clears throat> I pray, God, they would uh, not long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus, I am in that prayer.
5: I know so many people that are in so many, like, really...
6: thank you so much. um, You are a God of clarity. Mm -hmm. um, Even though there are difficult passages, you you want us to question, you want us to dig deeper and and come to understand who you are. Um, I think you, like everybody's been saying, that you love all people, that you give us distinct unique roles that um, are both equally good. I just, I pray for tonight that we can have some cool discussion about that and what that's looked like in our lives, and I don't know, just have a a sweet (coughs) night of fellowship.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lord, um, just thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross so that we can have this relationship with you. Um, Thank you Jesus, for being willing to do that, and Thank you for making us all different. Thank Mm -hmm. you that we're not like the Stepford Wives. (laughs) I thank you that we are all different from different walks of life and yet we have the most important thing in common, which is you, Lord. Um, And so I just pray that as a body of Christ, we can grow closer to one another and learn from these friendships to grow closer to you Mm -hmm. and to uh, become more like what you want us to be. Picture is that you have of us, Lord. And so um, I just pray for some really cool discussion tonight, and I pray that we can have an awesome time. And I also lift up our brothers and sister going to Johnny and Friends this coming week, Lord. I pray that you would just be able to sustain them and that they could just um, really go and love these families, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.